Vermont Viewpoint is a public affairs program produced and funded by WDEV and the Radio Vermont Group. We welcome listener feedback. Email your comments to vtviewpoint at radiovermont.com. From WDEV Radio in Waterbury, welcome to Vermont Viewpoint. The show where we try to explain Vermont and the nation understand our politics, culture, and democracy in ways we're still figuring out. I'm Kevin Ellis in the chair and at the mic, and welcome everyone to lis- listening on the radio and online at WDEVradio.com and on the free WDEV Radio app. Today is Wednesday, July 12th, and we're going to do something different today. We're going to focus an entire show on the flooding in central Vermont. We're going to keep the phones open for the entire show, and we want to hear your stories. There's a lot of pain out there. People, especially those merchants in downtown Montpelier and Barrie, are suffering, and we need to pay attention to that. So we invite everyone to call. Uh, call into the show and tell us what you're going through. Tell us what lies ahead. Uh, I've got guests lined up, but... Uh, but we're going to keep the phone lines open, and uh, and we'll just take as many calls as we can. We're expecting a lot of calls from a lot of people, um, so uh, you'll get really good information about safety uh, and other issues. We'll have a bit of a traffic jam at the uh, soundboard, but Danny McGivrigan will handle it. Um, the number to call is 244 and as I said, we welcome your calls and we welcome your stories. Uh, we'll hear from our political leadership and business owners on the ground from our communities to get the latest word on what exactly happened during this storm and what we all face going forward. <clears throat> we will talk to uh, the head of the Washington Electric Co-op about the dangers that remain out there on the electrical grid. We're going to talk to Matt Coda of the Vermont Fuel Oil Dealers Association Uh Who's going to explain the safest way to deal with propane tanks and other other items? We'll talk to other business owners, um, and we're not going to ignore other communities. Uh, we're all focused uh, on Montpelier and Barry, but Cabot, Woodbury, Craftsbury, Johnson, Morrisville, uh, there is a, a lot of pain out there, and uh, from the water systems to the sewer plants, uh, boil water notices. Um, you know, it is, it's, there's no two ways about it. It's bad out there. Um, so, but most of all, we want to hear your stories, the good and the bad. We want to be a friendly voice on the other end of the radio for everyone that's listening. Uh, it's WDEV at its best, the latest news and community forum that brings us all together and in difficult times. Uh, so what we're going to do first is go right to the phones, um, and begin our show with Stuart in Worcester. Stuart, welcome to the show. How are you? Uh, I'm fine, Kevin. Uh, I want to thank you for using this format today. This is really essential service. Uh, I appreciate it. Uh, uh, we don't have Internet here at my location in Worcester, and I'm trying to find out if uh, travel is permitted through Montpelier, you know, I'd like to go down the Barry Montpelier Road. I wonder if I can drive through Montpelier. I don't have Internet access, and the phone book does not carry phone numbers for the city of Montpelier. Do you have any information on, on travel? 
Sure. You called the right place. Uh, I happened to drive through uh, downtown Montpelier late last night and then uh, early this morning to come to the sh- to the studio in Waterbury. So, yes, uh, you can drive through downtown Montpelier. The traffic lights are not working. Uh, the road, is, you know, State Street and uh, is, for example, is muddy. Uh, there are, uh, law enforcement and rescue people, fire, fire, uh, fire fighters everywhere. Um, so if you can, I would stay out of downtown Montpelier just from a traffic perspective to allow, um, the authorities to keep the cleanup going, but it is passable. Uh, I was not on the Barry Montpelier Road, Stewart, so I don't quite know exactly the condition. I, I we're, I'm hoping to hear from Jake Hemrick, the uh, mayor of Barry, uh, soon. But I, I, I hear Barry just seems to really have gotten hit really hard. Um, I'm assuming the Barry Montpelier Road is open, but I don't know. I haven't driven it. Uh, yeah. da- but downtown Montpelier is is fairly open. Uh, you can certainly walk around. Much of the water has receded. Yeah. Well. Well. Thank you. Thank you. Do you? Uh do you want to take a short story from Worcester? Sure, you go ahead. Um, on Friday, we received a preview of this major storm. Uh, at my home on West Hill Road, we received 3.5 inches of rain in two hours, and it took out half of uh, West Hill Road, where it's sloped. Uh, it's, there's still a chasm 15 feet wide uh, and 15 feet deep. And travel is down to one lane. So uh, it's really been a, a long process. Well, good. I, I just thank you for sharing. You bet. Thank you for your help. Stewart, thanks a lot. Um, we're gonna we're gonna go to Matt Coda right now. From uh, he's the uh, executive director of the Fuel Dealers Association. Uh, Matt is the expert on all things propane, gas, and and oil, uh, and it can tell us how best to be safe out there. Matt, welcome to the show. How are you? Good. How are you, Kevin? And thanks for doing all this. Yeah, you know, I work for the fuel dealers, but also the heating contractors and. And they are very busy today, and they'll be for the next several weeks. So when, when floodwaters rise, you know, whether you have a barbecue tank or you have a tank at, uh, next to your house that, that allows you to, you know, have cooking gas or whether you use propane for, for your primary source of heat and hot water, so there's a valve just like in your barbecue tank that you turn to the right to turn off, you turn to the left to, to turn on to let the gas flow. And, you know, one of the things that we were telling people before the storm and, and during the storm was if you think the floodwaters might rise and float away that barbecue tank or that propane tank near your house, then righty-tighty, turn it to the right, turn the gas off, because if it does disconnect, it's safe. The gas is safe inside the tank, um, but but we just certainly want the gas to be turned off so it doesn't leak as it, as it floats away. And uh, that, that largely, we haven't had any problems, which thankfully we have seen lots of debris float away. Uh, whether it's mattresses or couches or, or propane tanks. Uh, but, uh, you know, one of the things that we did after Irene was uh, work collaboratively with, with local towns to ensure that those are collected or anything that was that floated down that belongs to somebody else, that we figure out a way to get it back to where it belongs. But as we think about what's going to happen over the next three weeks, Kevin, 
think about all those basements that are flooded, right? And those electronic controls for your water heater or your air conditioner, which has a condenser that sits on a cement pad right outside, whether it's a AC unit um, that goes to uh, through venting or if it's a cold climate heat pump that also provides air conditioning. You know, those controls, those motors, if they're underwater, they may not work, and they may either be replaced or repaired. And they certainly should call a licensed or certified technician in order to do that because, yes, it's summer, and you're not going to need your, your heat. You are going to want hot water to take a hot shower. You are going to want to make sure you have propane for so you can get a hot meal. And, and you may want air conditioning if we have some hot days coming. So we expect the, uh, the service industry the heating, cooling contractors, and the people that uh, do that type of work to be straight out seven days a week for the next four weeks. Okay. Uh, yeah, Matt, I, my, my own basement came within about an inch of the uh, hot water heater. Um, thank God for sump pumps, I'll tell you. Uh, yeah, I got really, I got really lucky. But if if your basement really took a beating, what's the best way to sort of get back in there once the water has receded? And, and sort of assess uh, what your situation is in your house. Well, whether you whether you use uh, natural gas, propane, heating oil, kerosene, wood, uh, or electricity, you know, there's all even if you have power restored to your house, there's going to be electronic controls. There's going to be motors that may not function the way you want them to. And oh, while certainly some people are pretty handy, this is a complicated systems, and if they're used uh, in conjunction with flammable materials like propane gas or natural gas or oil, you know, you certainly want a licensed certified professional to look at it. And uh, it, in many cases, it can be repaired. Um, flooded or damaged, I mean, if it's a component that can be repaired, that's great. But it, in some cases, it may need to be replaced. Always with whether you're talking about expensive equipment in your basement, um, you know, photograph it, document it uh, for insurance purposes. And yeah, that's, 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 that's key. But certainly the lessons learned from Irene, where we did have basements compromised and, and fuel tanks, we implemented, State of Vermont implemented more rigorous standards for heating oil tanks and kerosene tanks. And, and we launched a robust uh, education campaign for propane tanks so people would have a better idea of, of how to ensure that their, um, when floodwaters rise, to turn their gas off. Okay. Okay, Matt Coda, thank you very much. We got a long list of this kind of stuff going on today. We really appreciate you joining us. Yep, thank you for what you do, Kevin. Bye. Okay, Matt Coda, uh, when you go into your basement, as I have been for the last twenty-four hours, uh, I got to tell you, um, it was uh, it is really bleak down in those basements and those Barry and Montpelier businesses. We're back, and we're going to go right to the phones. I'm Kevin Ellis. It's Vermont Viewpoint. We're devoting the entire show to the flooding. Uh, we're opening the phones to take your calls, uh, to hear your stories. Uh, we're trying to give a friendly uh, voice on the other end of the line. There's a lot of people out there in a lot of pain, and uh, we'll be hearing from business owners. Uh, but before we do that, uh, we're going to talk to Bill Fraser, the city manager of Montpelier. Hi, Bill. How are you? Hi, hi Kevin. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. Uh, I got a soggy basement, but thank God for uh, some pumps. Uh, why don't you fill us in on the latest? I drove through downtown Montpelier incredibly this morning, and uh, you know, it, it's, there, there looked to be a little smidgen of hope out there. 
Yeah. So, um, you know, the good news is that the floodwaters have essentially receded. There's a few pockets of water in low-lying areas, but basically it's gone. There's a lot of mud and dust, uh, and remind people that that is, you know, pretty toxic water that has turned into mud and dust. Uh, uh, so to be, you know, careful. Our DPW crews are out scraping up mud, uh, street sweeping, cleaning sidewalks, etc. cetera. Uh, uh, people should not be parking downtown. Uh, there's a few people that have sort of insisted on doing so. They're in the way of cleanup efforts, so we'd appreciate cooperation there. Um, is we can't do full curb to curb if there's cars in the way. Um, businesses, I think, are getting into their into their shops and starting to clean up and pump out. Um, that is, you know, going to take a while. There's a huge list of volunteers. I think we have about 500 people have signed up to volunteer. And uh, Montpelier Alive is really coordinating that along with a couple of our city staff and uh, actually a volunteer, Peter Walk. And uh, they will be coordinating folks to come in, uh, you know, once we have tasks for them. Obviously, individual businesses are getting their own volunteers. We talked to a splash last night. Uh, they were they're still there at 10 o'clock at night cleaning up their store. And, you know, they had about 20 volunteers, some of whom they didn't even know that had come in and helped them get stuff back together. So that that's the good news is the spirit of Montpelier. Um, the other good news is that uh, the state and our building inspections people are already downtown going through buildings. Uh, the state has uh, issued a, a, a very positive uh, sort of directive that uh, they don't need permits as long as as long as the electrical inspectors say, yep, it's safe to turn your power on. Uh, they can do so. They don't need to go through any kind of process. There's no fee. So they're hoping to go building to building and get people uh, up and running as soon as, you know, it's safe to do so. Uh, so we're, that's good. Um, obviously, we're still dealing. Uh, our city hall is still uh, flooded and unusable. I'm actually calling you from the water treatment plant where we've set up temporary operations. Our dispatch center is still here. So our own police, fire, and city hall buildings need to be, you know, cleaned and uh pumped out and hopefully we'll be moving back into them sometime in the near future. Uh, I don't know. Bill, yeah, Bill, I've, I mean, we, we've all been, I was, I went through the 92 flood uh, and you know, you, this is deja vu for you. I mean, can you, can you explain, I know you're not a water engineer, but can you explain mm -hmm. to us exactly what happened did did the Winooski River just overflow its banks? Is that exactly what happened? Yeah, this is the second highest river level in recorded history. The only the 1927 flood uh, was the only higher recorded Winooski level. Uh, this is this far from, from our perspective, it far exceeded Irene, uh, far exceeded the May 2011 flood. The 92 flood I wasn't here for, but that was. That was an ice jam. That was a little bit different, and right, uh, right. the river level never wasn't extraordinarily high. It was just the jam that caused the problem. Um, but the, the the folks that were there tell me that the that the water levels in downtown rivaled or exceeded uh, that of '92. Um, we we did get some lucky breaks. Number one, uh, we didn't have high winds, so we didn't have you know trees down, limbs down, those kinds of things. So really, nobody lost power. Um, so that was great. Uh, people uh, that were, you know, maybe stuck in their homes were still able to have refrigeration and lights and those kinds of things. Um, and we were able to, sort of, you know, be able to respond effectively. Um, and it wasn't high speed moving water due to washing out 
buildings and houses. Uh, we lost a few roads, but none of them permanently. I, I think other parts of the state do. And another huge distinction, of course, with 92 is 92 is Montpelier only. This is a real statewide, uh, you know, we're not the only city in this situation. Right. Uh, Barry's in the exact same boat that we are. Uh, I think Waterbury got flooded again. I mean, Ludlow is destroyed. You know, it's, it's um, so unlike 92, when everyone can swoop into Montpelier and help, you know, rebuild, everyone's, you know, this is sort of, we're all, we're all in it together. More, It's more of an Irene type thing. Uh, yeah. So. Okay. Well, Bill, uh, so I guess the message from you is, uh, stay out of downtown if you possibly can, um, volunteer, uh, go to Montpelier Alive's website, park. volunteer we if you can. Keep your cars out of downtown. Right? Yeah. We are, we are, have a pretty active, full cleanup operation going and it's, we really need the streets clear. You know, if you can park, if you need to come in to help a business or a friend or something like that, if you could park in the outskirts of town and walk in, that would be, you know, we really need that because uh, uh, you will you'll get towed. And I, I don't like to be, you know, <laughs> the stick as opposed to the carrot. But, you know, we can't. Uh, yeah. Don't do that. So. Good. Uh, but, yeah, we we appreciate the help. There's going to be a lot of cleanup over the next few days. You know, let us get the downtown mud and stuff up and then let's have at it and have people show up and do what they want to do for their community. OK. Bill Fraser, city manager, Montpelier. Thanks so much. We really appreciate it. My pleasure, Kevin. Thanks. Okay. Thanks for about so Bill's going to be uh, probably at the uh, press conference uh, at starting at eleven with the governor, uh, and then the uh, the federal delegation, Bernie Sanders, Peter Welch, uh, Becca Ballant, they're all arriving to survey the damage. So they'll all be up the up at the water treatment plant. Um, so that's great. Uh, a couple of reminders. So Bill makes a good point. Do not draw, do not park downtown. Okay. Just be very, very clear about that. Don't park downtown if you at all, because you'll be towed number one, but number two, you're going to get in the way of, uh, cleanup crews, cre- uh, street sweepers, uh, you know, those trucks that, uh, I saw late last night, uh, the, a couple of septic trucks were pumping out. Uh, it was either uh, the, the the bank building or uh, one of the other buildings on State Street. Um, so we've got to get those buildings pumped out. Um, and a good reminder that this is this is a statewide issue. I just got a text from my friend Benzie in uh, down in Jamaica. Uh, I mean, Londonderry is just a mess. Uh, the Ball Mountain Dam is still an issue down there. She she's the owner of the Jamaica House, uh, a hotel right there in uh, in Jamaica, Vermont, in southern Vermont. Uh, she's okay, uh, but it's a mess down there. My friend Kyle in central Vermont lost his. Uh, he was on Instagram. He probably had the best Instagram uh, feed of anybody. Uh, he he. He showed us in real time how the water was rising in his basement and it finally just covered his uh, hot water heater and ruined it. He had to leave his home. I've got other friends who had to leave their downtown Montpelier apartments. Uh, and my uh, my neighbor, Patrick at uh, Patrick Sullivan at Ananda Farms, right near Wrightsville uh, Reservoir there near the dam, he lost his driveway and uh, he's concerned about how to harvest crops to get them to restaurants and to his customers because his staff is has got uh, 
problems they sent out, you know, problems getting there. Um, that, that road, uh, Horn of the Moon Road, where I live, uh, that's, that was impassable yesterday. I don't know if the East Montpelier crews have gotten there yet. Uh, but, uh, so Patrick's got, you know, he's got all sorts of logistical issues. Um, but, uh, he sent out, they sent, he and his wife sent out an email yesterday saying they're okay and wishing everybody, uh, the best health. So, uh, we're, he's good there. Uh, it looks like the Wrightsville Reservoir Dam, uh, has, the, the water has receded behind it. And, um, and so the, the, the danger of water spilling over the spillway and into, uh, Montpelier has, is completely gone. I should have asked Fraser about that. Um, but uh it yeah it looks like certainly the uh the, the dam is not going to breach and it's about the water going over the spillway um so as i said we're continuing to open the phones uh we're going to take your calls 2441777 we want to hear your stories um as i said there's a lot of pain out there so a lot of cleanup to do uh and uh Beware, uh, if you're going through downtown Barry, downtown Montpelier, Johnson, Woodbury, these other places, what's, that is not clean mud that's sitting on the sidewalks and the, uh, and the roads, okay? That is a toxic brew of sewage and oil and, you know, other pollutants. So be careful what you're breathing, be careful what you're touching, and above all, stay out of downtown if you all, at all possibly can. We're back. It's Vermont Viewpoint. I'm Kevin Ellis. We're talking uh, this entire two hours about the flood that has uh, really hit uh, just right up the center of the entire state. Uh, and we're opening your phones. We want to hear your – we're opening the phones. We want to hear your stories because I think today we need a friendly voice on the other end of the line. So, Betty, in Barry, you are on the line. You're on Vermont Viewpoint. How are you? Uh, well, uh, pretty good expecting everything, you know. Uh, I have a question. Uh, when, uh, Governor Scott or our, uh, delegates from Washington come, are they gonna take a question and answer or where you can go to get help from FEMA? We had a retaining wall. Oh, I think I lost Betty. But, uh, Betty, if you're out there listening, I can answer your question. Uh, yes. Governor Scott will take questions, um, yeah, probably not from the public, but he'll take questions from the press. And uh, maybe we can talk to uh, a couple of your a couple of friendly reporters to try to get him to ask that question. But you can you'll definitely be able to get your question answered. Uh, the governor will tell you during the press conference exactly where to go to on, online to send that question. And if you don't get your question answered, call us back here at 2441777. We will ask the question of the governor and we'll get the question answered for you. Okay. Uh, thank you, Betty, for calling. Uh, now, we're going to talk to uh, the owner of Hugo's Restaurant in downtown Montpelier, um, which I, I just hope wasn't destroyed. Tom Green, you're on the line. How are you? 
Hey, Kevin, I'm doing okay. You know, the sun's shining and the water's going down, so at least that's a start. What's the damage? It's fairly extensive. You know, I was actually, I knew it was going to be bad. For those who don't know, Hugo's Bar and Grill, it's in the old uh, New England Culinary Institute building on Main Street. It's three floors, and our bar is in the basement. Um, so that has taken a huge hit. Uh, the water is just now being pumped out of it. It's about halfway down. Uh, you know, it it, it it looks like, a, you know, an apocalyptic scene down there. Tom, how do you, uh, well, let's go back a day. Like, when did it really get bad for you? I mean, at my own house in East Montpelier, it was, you know, it was, it was fine for a while. And then in about 30 minutes, it just became a deluge. When did it get bad for you at Hugo's? Well, I mean, I think we were watching the sort of inexorable march of the river that whole day. Right. And the river, the, the North Branch River runs right behind our kitchen, right behind the building. Uh, you know, and it's, it's already was high. I mean, this time of year, as you know, it's often, uh, you know, a pebbly stream. Uh, it was already high, but it was, it was flowing fast and growing. And I knew we were, you know, going to face some real trouble at some point. Um, you know, we, 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 we hustled that day. We moved everything we could of value out of the basement. We got all the alcohol out of there. Um, you know, we essentially saved the alcohol and the art is kind of what we did, but right. everything else took a big hit. But I think by, I think by mid afternoon when, um, you know, the, the rain just didn't stop. And then early evening, people, we, we had left the restaurant and people were sending me photos of what downtown Montpelier looked like. And I knew we were in a world of trouble. So. Tom, how do you, um, <clears throat> one thing that we all ignore in this is the mental and emotional toll that it takes on people. I mean, you ran the College of Fine Arts on the Hill. You're a novelist, uh, and you, you know, you, uh, you, you, I don't know what you did. You went to the bank. You did something because you wanted to run a restaurant. And it, you know, <laughs> the restaurant business is not for the faint of heart. And here you are. True. Mentally, how are you approaching this? Well, I mean, I think you just got to put one foot in front of the other. I mean, there's a lot you can't control, right? And um, you know, in you know, running things, you do your best to kind of point toward a north star and control as much as you can. But when you're faced with things like this, you know, a natural disaster that comes out of nowhere, um, you know, there's really was nothing we can do until today. So now we're going to figure out what we can do today. Right. And, uh, you know, our whole team's going to come together and, uh, it, it looks like an impossible task, honestly, but, uh, you know, we're going to start the process of trying to rebuild and cleaning the place and, and, and seeing what we can do. Um, you know, we also really need to identify some funding. I mean, this is, uh, there's significant amounts of damage there. Um, you know, ordinary insurance doesn't cover it. Uh, so FEMA's going to have to play a role for, Businesses like mine, I think other businesses in Montpelier, if we want to bring Montpelier back to where it was three days ago. Yeah, I mean, Montpelier just takes, God, this is the, I mean, I was there at the 92 flood and we lost a lot of businesses and it's, uh, the, 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 uh, the determination by local businesses to, to recover, uh, I just find incredible. You, it, it, some, you must be tempted to throw up your hands and walk away. Yeah, I mean, you you know, you know, going into it in downtown Montpelier that the hundred year flood's a possibility. You just hope it's ninety nine years away. Right. Uh, and you know, for me, I mean, we just opened a year and a half ago. We opened during COVID. 
um, you know, I signed a lease on this building a week before anybody had heard the word Omicron. I thought COVID was going away. So, yeah, it has been a battle. Um, but, you know, we've built something really unique and interesting that people like here from the jazz club on the third floor, you know, to a new American bistro on the first two floors. And I think it's become a valuable addition to Montpelier. It's also a building that's been a restaurant since 1880. And that's the part that's really important to me is that kind of continuity uh, of having a restaurant in this space. And I think it's, um, you know, integral to Montpelier's history and mission for it to continue. So we're going to do everything we can to do that. Well, there's a lot of listeners on this uh, station that remember it like I do as the lobster pot forever. So, uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> 1948 to 1994 was the lobster pot. Oh, my God. Incredible. Uh, Tom, how do you approach you, you, you gotta get it clean, you gotta get it pumped out, you gotta get it cleaned up, detoxified, uh, and then what? Then you start looking for money to, to pay for all this, and then perish the thought, when can we come back and have oysters again? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a parallel process, honestly. I mean, at the same time, we're gonna have people cleaning, I mean, I'm gonna be chasing money, uh, you know, to see what we can do. I mean, we lost, we lost all our food, for instance, and, uh, you know, for those who don't know how restaurants work, I mean, you know, we, we had probably close to $30,000 worth of food uh, on the premises uh, over the last couple of days, um, you know, in walk-in coolers and other things, everything from steaks and oysters to we happen to have a whole lot of lobsters because we were running a lobster special and didn't anticipate that, uh, you know, the apocalypse was going to happen. So, um, you know, those, those are real challenges. It's basically like reopening a restaurant from scratch. Yeah, you know when you get through this. So how we do that is still an open question, but you know we're a resilient bunch here, and uh, and and I think we'll we'll figure out a way to get there. Well, if uh, if it's any solace to anybody out there, uh, it's kind of fun to follow Tom Green on Facebook uh, and Instagram because he he posts some long uh, messages on Facebook and great pictures. He had one the other day about eating a lobster um, at Hugo's and. It's a fun, it's a fun way to, to, you know, bring some light to this problem. So Tom, uh, best of luck. Uh, as soon as you reopen, we'll be in there for dinner and thanks for coming on the show. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Okay. Tom Green, the owner of, uh, Hugo's Bar and Grill and, um, oh boy, there's a lot of cleanup to do, but, uh, it's, you know, like Tom, he hasn't been through this before. A lot of people have. I mean, I'm thinking of Claire Benedict over at Bear Pond Books, uh, um, Savoy Theater. I think we've got James O'Hanlon, the owner, coming on the show a little later. Uh, a little later, we're going to be joined by Lewis Porter, the general manager of uh, Washington Electric Co-op. Uh, so a lot of these business owners are going to be looking for funding. Uh it, it, Tom said the magic words, regular insurance is not going to cover this. Uh, you know, uh, maybe on, uh, maybe on Friday when we're back on the show, I can get somebody from maybe Sarah Jarvis from, uh, the insurance company will come on and talk to us about what, sh- what insurance does and doesn't cover. Uh, but, uh, it's, you know, Tom Green's going to hit it with all he's got. And, uh, you know, if I know Tom, he's going to make it. And James O'Hanlon over at the Savoy, the folks at the drawing board, uh, Obershawn Hardware. Uh, by the way, uh, state offices are open and available uh, to you. I have a message here from Sarah Copeland, Hansis, 
who is uh, Vermont's Secretary of State. Uh, I won't read the entire thing, but uh, her office, uh, if you have a business you need to register or do any kind of uh, other business with the Secretary of State, they've shifted to 100% remote work for now until it's safe to come into Montpelier. I know the state treasurer, uh, Mike Pichak, has done the same. We are They're identifying potential needs, making plan to respond to them. Um, really, they're still right now taking care of their staff. Uh, the, the, they need to assess the impact to the Secretary of State's building, which was basically in the middle of a river for 24 hours. I was down there yesterday watching – Watching that, I mean, watching that river flow under those bridges. Um, there's that, there's that sort of railroad bridge at Bailey Avenue that goes, uh, you know, the, the, the debris, you know, washing machines, mattresses, wood was all sort of, uh, up against that bridge and, uh, and that just the water was going crazy. So Secretary of State's office is available and open, same with other state offices, but uh, everybody is pretty much remote. Uh, I suspect that the state offices in Waterbury are are open as well. Uh, I bet they're, some of them will be remote, but uh, others uh, are in that office. They did a lot of work after uh, Hurricane Irene to make sure that that state office building was above ground. We're back on WDEV's uh, Vermont Viewpoint. I'm Kevin Ellis, your host. And as I said, we're opening the phones to uh, everyone to share their stories about what you're going through with this flood. We're going to stay on this story uh, for as long as it takes. That's what we do at WDEV. And we're going to go to the phones right now. Uh, but before we do, I just wanted to reiterate that uh, Bernie Sanders, Peter Welch, and Becca Ballin are on an airplane with... Uh, with the FEMA director, they're on their way up from Washington to, uh, they'll probably come to the water treatment plant command post that, uh, Barry and Montpelier have set up, up on the hill so they can uh, stay out of the way of, uh, of the cleanup crews. And, uh, Governor Scott will lead that press conference starting at 11, uh, and, uh, and they'll take questions from the press so you'll get a lot of questions, uh, answered. Stay tuned to WDEV. We'll carry that live uh, when it happens right after this show. And meanwhile, let's go back to the phones and take some calls. This is Jackson. Welcome to the show. Hi there. How are you doing? Pretty good. What's up? Uh, my name is Jackson. I work at Morse Block Deli in downtown Barrie. Uh, we are just opening up right here. We are very lucky to not have taken in any extent of damage. We kind of lived up a few feet on an island compared to a lot of the other downtown businesses. Um, we are open for business. I just wanted to call in and offer any support to any other downtown businesses that maybe need help with any physical labor or sandwiches. Just come on in. We have our whole menu available. We're currently doing 200 sandwiches for a disaster relief company uh, on hold, but we are ready to go right after that. Oh, Jackson, thank you so much for calling. Uh, I'm a Morse Block customer, so uh, I'll be in there uh, as soon as I can. And uh, I'm, we're really grateful to you for being open. And uh, everybody out there, uh, go by and see Jackson at the at the Morse Block Deli and uh, get a sandwich. Uh, it's so important to stay local and keep investing in our local businesses. So 
Jackson, uh, what, what do you think? Uh, what do you think led to you not sustaining the the damage that so many others did? Uh, we got a little bit of water in our basement. You know, they they built this building up a little bit on a platform. I think compared to the other buildings, I think a lot of people got a lot worse flooding, and they were actually had water coming in their front doors of their businesses on the first floor, and we were lucky enough to not have to sustain that. I know also Espresso Braino next door, the shop, the coffee shop, they are also open for business. I'm not sure about any of the other restaurants in town, though. Okay. And and tell us, give us a visual, if you would, on downtown Barry. How does it look? What's the main street look like, and how are people doing? Uh, I mean, it is obviously very muddy. Uh, there is still some standing water in places, some streets you can't drive on. I would suggest, I would highly suggest wearing a mask if you're going to be walking around because it's very dusty. I'm not sure what's in that dust, but there's no dust in the restaurant. We have air conditioning. We have sandwiches, so please come on down. Okay. Jackson at the Morse Block Deli, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Thanks. Have a great day. That's a great reminder. Uh, I, I was downtown last yesterday, and I'll tell you, that mud is not healthy, and what's in the air is not healthy at the moment. So I I agree. Wear a mask if you're downtown. Uh, and if you're in downtown Barry, stop by Espresso Bueno and get a cup of coffee and a, and a Danish and, uh, and and stop by the Morse Block, Block Deli for lunch. Uh, Jackson will serve you right up. Bill in Montpelier, uh, let's, uh, let's take a call from you. How are you? Uh, I'm fine. I, I'm I'm sort of fine. I'm lucky. I live near the roundabout uh, on Main Street, right next to the roundabout that is right next to the North Branch of the Mooski River. Yeah. I am lucky that the water came to about six feet from my door. Six feet. What I did do, what I did do uh, the night before last, was take my car and take it up um, on a high, higher place. <laughs> wow. Park it. I left it there for almost a day and a half. Um, last night, I finally I had, I had to get something at the drugstore, so I drove up to Walmart, and I took the back way up to Walmart. I was lucky. The, dust, the roads were in some places were very dusty, so you wanted to try to stay away. Stay as far away as you can from Main Street. Just stay away from it. But what I, I and I, I did go and look, and I saw the people in the canoes, and I did all that, and I took a couple of pictures of stuff, how high the water was. I saw the water today. And the water is down where it should be, uh, about at least 10 feet below the bottom of that bridge. And I took a picture of the bottom of the bridge last night, or the night before last. My God, it was right up there, and there was a whole bunch of junk against it, which is all gone now, and, and that's great. A lot of people were doing a lot of the rescue work guys were doing it. But what I wanted to say is the big fear, and it's in the news and everything, of the Riceville Dam, and they are drawing it down slowly, which is absolutely the proper way. It seems to appear to be going well. But I watched the Weather Channel a lot, and it is telling you, watch out, watch out, watch out. And one of the things I'd like to bring this as a suggestion uh, is that uh, the recreation area, uh, the other side of the Riceville Dam, can be this year ignored. 
forget any good of that. I think that thing should be taken down much, much below what it can be used for as a recreation area. That's my suggestion for this year or any other time that you have this, this danger coming. The, the good of that recreation area is nowhere near as important as the bad it does to the city of Pompeo. Uh, Bill, I, I spent a lot of time at that rec uh, area. Are, are you saying that we should uh, we should close it down and move it somewhere else because it's in the way of the the the, the dam? I'm not saying to move it. No, I have I have lived in the Barry Montpelier area for for many years. I worked at the state. Uh, in fact, I worked at the state health department in Burlington. But my wife worked in Waterbury, and she had her picnic. They had their annual picnic there, and we enjoyed having it. And I've enjoyed that a lot, and I've gone to it recently. But, uh, and I could give it up for a, a temporary. I'm not saying just give up this whole recreation area. There are other things besides boating and swimming in that area. I mean, you, you, you have, we, we played volleyball uh, over there and stuff like that. You can picnic, you can camp, you can keep those things going with just a lot lower water. You don't have to give up all the water. Just take it down to a safe, to a place much safer than it would be under normal circumstances. Got it. Okay. Hey, Bill and Montpelier, thanks so much for joining us and sharing your experience. Um, Okay, we're gonna we're coming up on our next break. I'm just I'm looking at Vermont Digger here. Uh, you know, it's uh, <laughs> these pictures uh, are just uh, are just amazing. Uh, I know Glenn, the photographer for VT Digger, uh, is out there. Um, we're gonna hear after the break from Lewis Porter at the at uh, Washington Electric Co-op. And, uh, we're going to hear from Sue Minter, uh, at 1030 about, uh, from, uh, Capstone Community Action about what, uh, people in need, uh, where their services can be, uh, gotten. Um, it is, uh, you know, the story of Waterbury, which was battered in the, in the, uh, Hurricane Irene, uh, 12-ish years ago. I, I was driving through, I, I pulled over and checked on Randall Street last night. It looked relatively dry, but though, that's the street that just took the biggest hit, uh, in Waterbury, uh, last time in the hurricane. And it, it looked okay. So, um, Waterbury, I think, sustains not as much damage this time, but Montpelier and Barry really took the hit. We'll be right back for the second hour. We're opening the phones to everybody to share their stories about uh, about the rains. I'm Kevin Ellis. It's Vermont Viewpoint on WDEV. Did you know that Radio Vermont Group Digital Services can create videos including drone footage? We've even won awards for our videos. If you'd like to learn more and see examples of our work, go to rvgdigital.com. Radio Vermont Group, we're more than just radio. It's Kevin Ellis. It's Vermont Viewpoint. It's WDEV. We've got open phones. We want you to call in and share your stories about how you're dealing with this flood in central Vermont. It's not just Montpelier and Barrie. It's Woodbury, Craftsbury, Greensboro, all the way down to Andover. 
Bet you didn't know there was an Andover in Vermont. Um, Ludlow, Londonderry, Jamaica, Stratton. Uh, boy, everybody took it on the chin. We're joined now by the general manager of Washington Electric Co-op, my electric utility, Lewis Porter. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for the invite. Okay, what are you dealing with out there? Well, uh, the biggest thing we're dealing with is getting access to where power lines are down. Uh, we actually uh, we had about eleven or twelve hundred uh, members out at the uh, after the flooding had occurred, and and we're down to only about a hundred out right now. But the the real challenge has been uh, getting to where the problems are, and uh, the the crews here are taking ATVs or walking or small trucks or doing whatever they they have to do to get out there and to get to these spots. But some of them are really really difficult to reach. Uh, Lewis, can you talk to us? I know you're an expert on all things Curtis Pond. Uh, there's a dam there. Uh, what's the status of that situation out there? Yeah, that, that dam seems to have held up in, in okay shape. And the, the concern, the worry there was that dam uh, needs to be rebuilt, uh, is in, is in uh, deteriorating shape. And the, the, the fear was that it would wash out and, and send Curtis Pond down the river. Uh, it, uh, incidentally, for Washington Electric Co-op, uh, that could have been a big problem because one of our substations is is uh, about a half a mile down the down the river from that dam. But uh, the the folks in Maple Corners uh, uh, got to work and put tarps over that dam to allow water to go over it without eroding it, and then they actually were able to bring in a giant diesel uh, pump to pump some of the water out of that pond and around the dam. Uh, and so that it looks like that dam is is going to hold and is going to is going to survive and and be fine. Uh, but uh, but it was a uh, was a little bit a little bit uh, concerning for a little while. Well, there's a there's a Vermont solution. They put tarps over the dam. <laughs> yeah, they put tarps over the dam because they were worried that as the water topped over came over the top of the dam, it was going to erode. Uh, and and uh, and deteriorate the dam faster. So tarps over the top, and the water ran over and and down into the into the to the spillway, and uh, and then they brought in this big pump. And the gentleman that lives right there at the dam, who lets us basically use his uh, use his area for skating and hockey and supplies hockey sticks, he's okay. Yeah, I don't know if they had damage in their house uh, in the basement. Uh, I'm not sure about that, but the yeah. house is still there and and the dam is still there. So you've got a hundred people without power. Yeah, we're down to about a hundred and ten right now. Boy, that's you know, it sounds like a small amount, but I'll tell you, I I was one of those without power over Christmas, and uh, even if even though it's summer, it is still no fun. You've lost your water pump, and you you know you, it's hard to take a shower, and uh, drinking water is a problem, and. So a hundred people is uh, no small thing. Not at all. And, uh, and I actually just got an email. I'll read a portion to you from a member. Uh, he says, somehow your crews got out here. They must have hiked in and they did whatever they needed to do to get the power back on for us last night. It could be a long time before we get road access. So having electricity has made a world of difference. Even those with generators were running out of fuel. You guys are great. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, a contractor friend of mine in Woodbury was, uh, showed up in my driveway looking for gas yesterday. And, uh, I think he found some over at Dudley's store, but he's completely cut off. He's lost his driveway and, uh, we, we're going to have a long way to go here. Yeah. There's, I live in Adamant and there's, 
there's three ways to get to my house, and two of them are gone. So uh, it's, we got we got a ways to go. So is the Adamant yeah. is the Adamant Co-op open for business? I believe it is. I saw cars there this morning. I, I think it is, um, but it's it's uh, you have to get there uh, from the uh, from the uh, uh, Lightning Ridge side, not from the not from either the Center Road or from the uh, Martin Roadways. Are both are both cut off? Ah, okay. Well, that's good to know. Perfect. Uh, Lewis Porter, and, uh, anything else? One, one, uh, one funny little side note. You, you may have seen the governor's tweet about hiking out the vast trail. To I did. To work. Uh, our folks went in that vast trail to turn the power on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. So l- luckily, luckily the, the folks on our line crew here know just about every road and trail and path in our territory. So that knowledge is coming in helpful right now. Well, they're driving by my house a lot, so it's a welcome sight. Lewis Porter, as always, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. Okay. Uh Lewis Porter, turning the lights back on at Washington Electric Co-op. Okay, we're going to now go to uh, another caller. Uh, we're going to talk about Waterbury for a second. Uh, Representative Tom Stevens of Waterbury is on the line. Welcome, Representative Stevens. Thanks, Kevin. How's How your you? How's your basement? My basement, um, our basement is fine. Winooski Street, I live, I live on Winooski Street down in the village, and Winooski Street did not have any um, damage that I'm aware of in any of the houses. Um, so the end of the, the end of Winooski Street was chewed up pretty hard by the, by the rushing waters right at the bridge. Um, but our basement is fine. And, and it's, it seems that Waterbury did not take the hit that downtown Montpelier did, and this is a little less of a of a crisis than it was at Hurricane Irene. I, I think that's I think that's right. I mean, I think there's a couple of things to keep in mind. You know, back after Irene, when the state rebuilt the state complex, they also removed three or four feet of silt from behind the building and created a you know kind of created a culvert structure that lowered the flood levels by. 11 inches or 12 inches and you know I, I hesitate to say that that is the exact reason why we fared better but I know that it, ma- it mattered yeah. um, and it mattered to the people on Randall Street you know the people on Randall Street suffered water in their basements many of them said the water got within a couple of inches of their floorboards in their basement um, to the first floor and while they will have a lot of work to do cleaning up, they were prepared a little bit better uh, for what was going to happen. Um, the and, and I know they're grateful that they don't have to do anything in their house proper, but they're going to have you know they're going to have a lot of work to do in their basements as well. And and that kind of that kind of cleanup is going to start once the waters totally recede. Yeah. Tom, uh, the governor at 11.30 is going to be joined by the FEMA director, uh, Deanna Criswell, and Bernie Sanders, Peter Welch, and Becca Ballin are on their way up right now on an airplane with Criswell. They're going to join the governor at 11.30, and they're going to tour Barry. Uh, what are you looking for from a government perspective as a member of the legislature you know, I, we had we had Tom uh, Green on, the owner of Hugo's Bar and Grill, and he was, you know, he was saying, "Look, I lost thirty thousand dollars worth of food. 
Uh, my bar is a wreck downstairs. You know, he's going to be looking for funding. Where does that funding come from if insurance doesn't carry it? And what are you looking for from the federal delegation and the governor? The, the problem, you know, we're going to have that's left over from our experience with Irene is that dealing with FEMA is very complex. I'm not going to say it's a bad thing. Um, they were on the scene immediately after Irene. But when people have suffered a loss of any kind, you know, you, you, you experience a bit of shock. And so retaining the kind of information and what the process is going to be with FEMA is uh, difficult to difficult to take in. I can recall standing in the fire station with uh, the neighborhoods that got damaged during Irene and people were asking good questions and the FEMA people were very friendly and they were very clear about what the process was going to be where you might make an application for help and it's going to get rejected and then you have to appeal that rejection and then you have to you know you may have to appeal it a second time before they grant you funds that's a that's a complex process for people going through yeah. you know what is really a traumatic experience and so that's that's what sticks with me and that's the kind of the help that I hope that those of us who have experienced it can share with business owners and and um, landowners, property owners who have suffered losses. It's not it's not that it's not going to be it's never going to be easy. But I think the idea of facilitating FEMA and trying to understand what is possible with FEMA, with their insurance companies is going to be really important. And it's going to require a patience that is hard to maintain when you've suffered that loss. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that, so that kind of conversation, that kind of guidance, that kind of um, understanding, our experience. While no one really wants to say, "Hey, look, we're experienced at floods," uh, this is the kind of experience that may help us in the communities. And I know that, I, you know, I know that, that the folks that I've talked to who have been who have been damaged down here in Waterbury, um, a handful of folks are actually really grateful that the water didn't go any higher. And that they didn't have to um, act on their anxiety and fears any more than they were able to, which was to get the good stuff out of their basement to make sure that they didn't lose anything. And you know what happened after the flood in 2011 and over the, the course of the recovery is that, for instance, many people put their electrical boxes upstairs so that they didn't get fried by the water. Um, that's a huge bonus for people. Um, again, the water didn't go in, you know, the water levels were probably closer to what we considered our hundred year flood levels that we were quote unquote used to before, uh, Irene happened. And so, um, you know, again, not to downplay the damage that was done in Waterbury, but it's, it, yeah, we dodged, we dodged the experience that other towns have are experiencing right now. Um, the pictures, as you were alluding to at the top of the hour from neighboring towns, are heartbreaking. Yeah. And um, the, and so, you know, for those of us in the legislature, we're going to be paying attention to helping people who need housing during the middle of what's a very difficult time to find housing anyway. Um, we are going to be helping people try to find their way through the, the bureaucratic red tape as best we can. And that's going to be that's going to be our role, and to make sure that the um, you know as as always happens in Vermont when there's a crisis like this, 
you know, we put parties aside and, and we put our political differences aside. We try to really maintain what's best for Vermonters and to recover as quickly as we can. I mean, the TARP story is phenomenal um, yeah. in, in that Vermont way. <laughs> okay. Tom, as always, thanks for joining us. Uh, we're going to take some more calls, but uh, we'll be looking to you for the the role from the legislature. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, and what, one, I'm sorry, Kevin, one last thing, just to just for people who, who are listening, uh, you know, if your town hasn't set up a, a volunteer system yet, really they should be going to their town leaders and um, or looking to self-organize to and, and to help keep your donations local. Um, you're going to have Sue Minter on later on today. That's great. Um, they, they're going to need funds. The in Waterbury, there's a good neighbor fund, and the community foundation is going to be helping people statewide. You know, we know Montpelier is going to need help, but you know, for Waterbury people, look to your town website for information on how to help volunteer. Uh, again, this is the best. You know, Vermonters show their best when when they're helping their neighbors in their community. So, okay. with that, um, keep going. Thanks so much for the time. Okay, Tom Stevens, thanks so much. We're back. And our next guest is uh, Sue Minter. She's the CEO of Capstone Community Action, and she is going to be at the center of not just providing services uh, to those in need, but there's a mental health uh, aspect to this. Um, Sue Minter, welcome to the show. Hi, Kevin. Thanks for having me on. Uh, Sue, thanks for joining us. Uh, I just let's start at the top. What What is your first uh, priority out there at Capstone? Well, uh, I've been uh, making sure all of our staff are safe um, or at least finding shelter. Many people stranded in their homes, some at emergency shelters. Um, so thing one is health and self safety for my staff. Thing two is opening up our offices. Um, our main headquarters is in Barry City and is closed at the moment. Uh, though we were spared the worst of it because it was built with flood resilience in mind. And while the garage that houses all of our weatherization trucks and equipment was uh, somewhat flooded, the actual offices are higher um, and are so far unscathed. Uh, we have about a foot of mud in the parking lot, so we got to get cleaned up till we can open up. Um, the greatest concern there, our staff are working whether the offices are open or not, but we do have a food shelf, the area's largest food shelf. So we are looking to kind of temporarily relocate that food shelf. Um, we've got something underway that I think we'll be able to announce by the middle of the day because we know a lot of people uh, depend on us just to um, have the enough food to be fed. But, of course, we need to be safe to, to be received. Um, we have opened up today our offices in Morrisville and in Randolph and in Bradford um, because Capstone is central Vermont, uh, meaning Lamoille County, uh, Orange County, and Washington County. Ah, but, but, Kevin, it's really um, our hearts are, are just breaking, um, knowing so many people are now impacted, so many people uh, now need shelter and basic supports, and, and, it, and that is what we do normally for a smaller population group, but it is what we do and what we know how to do and what we're committed to fulfilling. Uh I, we got a call from Jackson at the Morse Block Deli who told us that he they are open and they are making sandwiches for anyone who needs them. 
Um, and, uh, an espresso bueno coffee shop is open next door. Um, might be a little difficult to get to those places, but they are open and working. Um, what do you, uh, you know, what's, what, if you're in trouble in central Vermont, uh, and you want to call for help at community, at Capstone, what are the services exactly that you're offering that people can take advantage of? Well, right now, I think if, if you're in need of help, you need to get to safety. Um, what we do is we will be probably focusing on supporting people who have their homes and businesses damaged with thinking through how to rebuild and what resources are available. And, and speaking of uh, Cafe Bueno and uh, Morse Block, our neighbors, uh, our team, we are already talking about establishing a small business um, support fund. Uh, this is something uh, that Capstone was the fiscal agent for an effort like this after Irene, um, where we, um, in advance of the federal money that may come, FEMA, uh, it takes time. And as uh, your former uh, guest was describing, uh, Tom Stevens, it's complex and it covers this and not that and these people are not those people, but we know, especially for small businesses who are at the margin, many of those are the most impacted downtown businesses. Uh, the best thing we can do to keep them going is get money to them quickly. So we're uh, working with partners around the state, including the Vermont Community Foundation, uh, the state treasurer, uh, and others to develop a fund where we can administer those kind of small grants quickly. We did that throughout um, uh, COVID, um, maximum grants of $5,000 to what we call micro-businesses. Um, Morse Block is one of our micro-businesses because one of the things that Capstone and other CAP agencies do is help people. Our mission is to get people out of poverty and to help people in crisis. So getting people out of poverty, one of the best ways um, is to build a business. Uh, but these are often very small businesses that we stay in touch with over time to help them grow or survive crises like this. So that's the kind of work we will be doing. Um, but I guess more immediately we're thinking about food uh, for those who already are food insecure before this disaster and who are becoming food insecure. So um, I'm connecting with the Vermont Food Bank and other network partners. We're having a, a statewide uh, meeting later today to really think strategically about how we make sure Everyone has access to the most basic things, food and shelter. Sue, uh, many of our listeners remember you as the as the leader of the uh, recovery effort after Irene and as a member of the legislature on the Transportation Committee and, and one of the leaders of the Transportation Agency. You, this is not your first radio, rodeo on this. And, uh, <laughs> You're right. <laughs> I mean, it just never ends for you. Well, for most importantly, for the people who are really impacted. Um, I've learned a lot and had the opportunity to be in a lot of different roles, and I think it is why I'm able to kind of help reach out to others who, who also are experienced in knowing what's needed. You know, we've learned a lot of lessons since Irene and even through COVID. We've developed relationships all of which are important now. I mean, the, the Montpelier, uh, excuse me, in Waterbury, I can't tell you how proud I am that the Waterbury State Office Complex 
is standing high and dry right now. Right. That was one of the biggest challenges we had, and it was a battle with FEMA, a multi-year battle. And we put together a, a resilient facility that I think is withstanding this storm right now, and I'm proud of that. There's places all over Vermont where we can say that. There's over 100 uh, places where families chose not to build back in harm's way because we had a state program to buy out homeowners and move them out of harm's way. Um, I think over 100 from Irene and over 100 since Irene. So, uh, and, and most importantly, we're really um, a stronger state in terms of our emergency response. Um, thus far, the most important thing is we have heard of no recorded deaths. Yeah. I think the administration has done a tremendous job in uh, responding to this emergency, and I know they will in the recovery as well. Sue, what, la- one last question before the break, um, and I'll let you go. We keep hearing about how difficult it is to work with FEMA, and I think, you know, in my days as a journalist, I heard about that back then. I mean, I've been hearing this line for 30 years, and I always say to myself, if you're Joe Biden, uh, why don't you just pick up the phone and call FEMA and say, whatever Vermont wants, just write the check. Uh, and I know listeners must be out there saying, why is it always so difficult? The way you described it, you know, it, you, it, we'll pay for this, but we won't pay for that. Uh, well, we, we seem to have the this. ability to, to send, uh, uh, bombs to Ukraine really easily, but we don't have the ability to just write the check to take mm-hmm. care of Montpelier and Barry. You know, there's a whole lot of reasons that there are rules and regulations that carry um, federal and state money in order to protect and prevent fraud. And, you know, I think it really relates to that. And there's things that the federal government will do and they won't do. Um, And everything costs money, and it's a battle to raise and and spend that money, and that battle's gotten worse. But what I want to say is I think we have a much stronger uh, relationship with our FEMA partners than we did certainly before Irene. They, we didn't even know how to access the system properly the way we do now. And during COVID, FEMA has done tremendous things because we know the partners, we know how to act, uh, prop, how to ask and what to ask for and how to um, follow their guidance so that we're able to do more. And, you know, they did the Everyone Eats program uh, that just ended, um, you know, in, in March of this year, which, you know, maybe we can revive where we helped restaurants like Morse Lock Deli. So, Kelly, uh, so, so I got to break in. I'm sorry. Thank you. We have a commercial. No it's WDEV. Right. We'll see you after the break. We're back. Uh, that was good with Sue Minter. We're... Uh, I want to get to the bottom of this FEMA thing because this is this question is not going to go away, which is why is it so easy for the federal government to do big stuff? Uh, but when it comes to actually paying for a new retaining wall or, you know, a new water system uh, when there's a catastrophe of this kind, why is it so difficult? And I know fraud is a problem. I know fraud in the... COVID uh, relief efforts is, was a problem, but uh, I, 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 let's try to get the FEMA regional director on here for New England to uh, answer those questions. And uh, we'll ask the governor the question, too, because I know that's on the minds of our listeners. Uh, let's go to the phones. Brian from Brookfield, always a pleasure. Welcome to the show. Hi. Uh, I was really wanting to ask Sue a question. 
Um, Go ahead. I'm I'm going to see her later today, so ask me the question, and I'll relay it to her. Okay. Um, I I'm I'm living in my car, and um, I have a small business, and uh, but it seems hard. Of, which is logging, but it seems hard to get any help when something like this happens. I mean, I have got probably approximately $15,000 worth of logs on my land, and, and there's three rivers running right through my log yard, and uh, uh, all those logs are starting to crack and, and from the heat and everything, and uh, it'll be worse today with the sun. And I'm probably going to have to use all them logs for firewood you know how would it don't seem like there's ever any help for loggers or something I'm I just not sure Brian I have a couple of thoughts uh, so you got firewood you got logs on the landing in Brookfield um, let's see Brookfield is Orange County uh, one thing you could do substantially. Yeah, so I, I'm thinking that your senator is Mark McDonald. Uh, and you can no pun, in, no pun intended, but I've called Jay Hooper before. I've called Mark McDonald, and all they do is give me a run around. Okay. All right. They're there. Nothing. Yeah. Okay. I, I understand. Uh, there's a, there's the you can call the 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 commissioner of forest parks and recreation. Um, uh, I'll tell you what, I know Jay Hooper, uh, we'll, uh, I'll give him a call and, and, uh, we'll see what we can do. Uh, but, uh, best of luck to you. I'm sorry I don't have better answers, but, uh, um, hang yeah, in there. The other, see, the other, the other problem I have is, um, I'm living in my car because the only emergency housing is in Bradford or, I think is is Bradford, and um, I don't have any transportation. My car's broke down. I've been sleeping in my car all winter, and you know I'm low, I'm low, real low on food. I don't have any money. I, you know, nothing. But um, I'm I'm more interested in seeing if I could get some help for my business. Okay, I'm going to give you the number for Sue Minter at Capstone Community Action. Okay. Yep. And I'm going to read it to you. If I can find it, contact us. Uh, because uh, if they can't help you directly, uh, they can tell you where to go. So call uh, call this number. You got a pen? Yeah. 802-479-1053. That's the main office at uh, Capstone Community Action in Barry, that's where Sue Minter works. Um, somebody there can at least start the process of, of beginning to help. Okay. Okay. Thank you. All right, Brian. You take care. Thanks for calling in. Yep. Thanks. Well, there you go. Pain everywhere in Central Vermont. Uh, this is one thing I did not do is call Mary Moulton at Washington County Mental Health. Um, because there's going to be a mental health impact to this that is going to be, uh, it's, you know, call it the invisible, 
the invisible impact because yeah you're 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 filling out FEMA forms you're calling your state senator you're doing all the things that that sort of Vermonters know how to do but the mental health piece of this the emotional piece is you know it's it's invisible but it's there uh you know when that first FEMA you know, rejection letter comes that says, I'm not going to pay for the cleanup of your restaurant. That's a really tough, tough blow. And it's not easy. Um, and I was, you know, I was at the roundabout in Montpelier yesterday looking at the folks at the Gary home, the senior citizens at the Gary home who's, you know, who's, uh, the whole street was flooded right in front of their homes. Um, that takes a toll on people. The sun is out today. Uh, I hope people can take advantage of it um, because it's uh, that's going to be a great, great, great way for for people to sort of do some recovery here mentally uh, before they settle in for the long slog. We're back. It's Vermont Viewpoint on WDEV. We're spending the entire two hours on the flooding in central Vermont. And it ain't just Barry and Montpelier. It's Johnson. It's Cabot. It's Woodbury. I've got a contractor friend, as I said earlier, who's, uh, has no power. He's lost his driveway. Uh, his truck's parked at the bottom of the driveway and, uh, he hit my driveway looking for gas. I think he got some at Dudley's store. Uh, we got an, got an update from Lewis Porter at Washington County, Washington Electric Co-op. There's still a hundred people without power in our area, uh, but and uh, the problem they're having is actually getting to people because of the roads being closed. Um, we talked to Bill Fraser, the city manager of Montpelier, who told us to please do not drive your car downtown and try to park because you'll be getting in the way of the crews that need to sweep up this mud uh, as it dries out. Uh, and... Here's some advice from me. I'm no health official, but uh, I was downtown Montpelier yesterday uh, trying to help out, and uh, I would wear a mask if you're in downtown Montpelier or downtown Barrie. That mud that is in the parking lots and on the roads is not clean. It is filled with toxic chemicals, uh, oil, gas, uh, and yeah, and and it's just uh, it's 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 in the air now as it dries out. It's not safe to breathe. Wear a mask if you're downtown. Um, so there are a host of boil notice uh, of boil water notices. Uh, uh, there's it's I've got mine on Twitter, uh, which just went blank. But uh, most towns have boil water notices. So I, here I've got it right here. Let's see, uh, Richmond, Woodstock. Ludlow, Barry City, Chester, Chelsea, that's where I used to live, Marshfield, um, Weston, Weston Mobile Home Park, Alberg, Morrisville Water and Light. Okay? If you're living in those communities, and you know what? If you're in Barry, Montpelier, Cabot, Woodbury, boil your water, uh, unless you're on a well. If, you, if you're on a well and you're in the path of some of these contaminants, um, Boil your water anyway, or go to your neighbors, uh, up, upstream where, uh, you know, uh, where it's safe. Cause, uh, the last thing you want to do is get sick here as you're, 
as your basement dries out. Uh, as I said earlier in the show, I've never loved a sump pump so much as I did over the last 48 hours. Uh, my sump pump was, I, I was under in my basement, I would say three feet of water. Uh, it was three inches from the hot water heater. I would have lost my whole, uh, heating system and my water system. Uh, we had about three inches to spare and, uh, and the sump pump completely submerged for 24 hours and it's actually still going. Uh, did the job incredibly. Um, we're going to make some changes. So check out your basements, everybody. Uh, if you're in the path of some of this, make sure you got a sump pump, you know, we're in East Montpelier. We were, uh, we're on high ground, but boy, that didn't stop it, uh, from flooding our basement. So, uh, but incredibly lucky, uh, up in East Montpelier. Uh, Horn of the Moon Road, uh, where I live, uh, uh that's a lot of that is closed. You cannot get f- to the Wrightsville Dam from Horn of the Moon. Um, it's just, uh, yeah, it's a mess out there. Now, uh, I gave out the number to Capstone Community Action. If you are homeless and you are living in your car, as Brian from Brookfield told us, uh, if you've got those kinds of needs, call Capstone. Uh, they can help you or they can tell you where to go. Um, you can call Washington County Mental Health. I know all the mental health practitioners are stretched thin, but, uh, but there's a lot of people out there who are able to help and willing to help. Uh, after this show, you're going to hear at 1130 from the governor, from Bernie Sanders, Becca Ballant, and Peter Welch, uh, and the director of FEMA. She's going to be here in person to answer questions from the press and business owners uh, as they tour Barry. Uh, so, and all that will be carried live on WDEV. Uh, a note about the press. Uh, I, I'm on the website of VT Digger. Uh, they are doing yeoman's work. Uh, the, the pictures there are just amazing. Um, they've got solid information about who to call for help. Um, uh, you just stay tuned to VT Digger. Their reporters are all over the state. This is hard work. Uh, they're breathing this air and uh, trudging through the mud too, and they've got their own problems in their own homes. Uh, I, I see Paul Heinz, the editor in chief, is writing every story that's leading the website. Go to vtdigger.org uh, for for uh, their excellent coverage, uh, and stay tuned to WDEV. Uh, the press has got a huge role to play here. Because, uh, you know, the governor's going to go on at 1130. Uh, he's going to have Bernie and Becca Ballant and Peter Welch at his side, the FEMA director. They're going to answer the questions as best they can. But uh, we need the press to ask the hard questions. And the, the hard question that we asked earlier of Sue Minter was, why is it so easy to send all these weapons to Ukraine and it's so hard to get your the basement of your restaurant pumped out and paid for. I I I I know that's a question. Uh, as we've dealt with floods in Waterbury from Irene, and we dealt with the '92 flood, this is a question that I have never understood. 
Uh, it always seems impossible to get FEMA, the Federal Emergency Management Agency, to answer the questions and to pay the bill. And it seems like it's really easy uh, for the federal government to pay other bills. I know I'm being simplistic, uh, and I don't have the right answer for you, but um, I guarantee you that there are going to be – this question is going to be asked a thousand times in the next week by business owners prop and property owners. Uh, some of the greatest rainfall was recorded in Callis, town next to me, 9.2 inches. Plymouth, 9 inches. Mount Holly, 8. Andover, 8. Randolph, 8. Middlesex, 8.03, according to the National Weather Service. That is a lot of rain. And... Uh, and as I said, my sump pump is still working. Um, so uh, the press is uh, stay tuned to vtdigger.org and WDEV, among, uh, among other media outlets, to get the latest news. Um, we, uh, we're, we're just going to be digging out from this for, for a long time. We continue to take your calls, uh, 244-1777, if you want to call in and share your stories. Um, it... Uh, the, the press is going to play, uh, just continue to play a major role here. One of the reasons uh, this is such a big story is that uh, it was on the front page of the New York Times and CNN this morning. So my phone started blowing up yesterday uh, with friends from as far away as California asking me how we were doing. Um, and uh, people were calling from, from all over. Uh, so... It, it seems like, I mean, that story from Lewis Porter about people at Maple Corner throwing tarps over the dam so that the, the water would flow over, uh, the, 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 the tarps and not uh, soak up the, the soil in the dam. That was, <laughs> that was amazing. And you know, there's a guy that lives there. I don't know his name, but he lives right there at the dam at, at, uh, on, on Curtis Pond, our favorite place to swim. And, uh, and he's standing there apparently, uh, directing, uh, the cleanup efforts. There's a big front end loader there. And, uh, you know, he, I don't know his name, as I said, but he, he's the guy who lends us his hockey sticks when we go play pond hockey on, at Curtis Pond. Uh, the dam right next to his house held. I can't imagine if it had broken uh, what 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 might have happened. Uh, okay, a local note. So here's what we've learned today. Uh, Hugo's Bar and Grill, Tom Green, he's he's gonna he's coming back, and that's exciting to hear. Uh, the Savoy Theater. I just got an email from James O'Hanlon uh, at the uh, at the uh, Savoy Theater. Uh, he he's coming back. Uh, he said he couldn't come on the show because he's got to meet with his landlord. And obviously his basement is filled with mud and water. I asked him what people can do to help. He said nothing at the moment uh, until the basement is drained. So he's got, you know, he's he's calling a, a septic truck. They're going to pull up as we saw last night as we drove late through late. Uh, through Montpelier downtown late last night. We saw septic trucks. They're going to pump out the basement, and then what's going to be left behind is a muddy residue. That's going to have to dry. It's going to have to get vacuumed out. 
they're going to have to disinfect uh, the entire area, uh, and and then you know we can he can get to replacing the couches and the carpet and the chairs and the concession stand and the bathroom and the, it's just dirty, muddy, gross work. But but uh, they're going to be at it. Uh, here's an email from Claire Benedict at Bear Pond Books, my favorite place in the world, uh, and a frequent guest here on WDEV. I said, you want to come on the show and share your story? She says, too consumed with cleanup right now. Um, I saw Julia from, uh, from uh, Capitol Grounds pumping up her uh, stand-up paddleboard yesterday uh, at, uh, at, the, at the corner of... Uh, East State Street uh, and uh, and Maine uh, to paddle over to Capitol Grounds to break into her own store and and look at the damage. Um, and uh, I I texted Steve Everett, her landlord uh, is a fellow we know in downtown Montpelier. Steve's a landlord to a lot of downtown businesses, and uh, if we know Steve, he'll be right there trying to help people uh, as best he can. Um, so, uh, so stay tuned. We're, we're now headed into the waters have receded. The Wrightsville Dam danger is over. The Curtis Pond Dam is over. Uh, but on the dirt roads, County Road from Maple Corner all the way into Montpelier is fine. But again, don't park your car downtown. Okay. Park it up the hill and walk into downtown. Okay, well, that's our show today. Uh, that was a lot. Thank you so much for joining us. This show becomes a podcast at WDEVradio.com. And, of course, you can listen live to the show. I'm here Wednesdays and Fridays. You can find me at KevinKLS.com, where you can subscribe to my weekly newsletter called Conflict of Interest. I'm on Twitter and Instagram if you want to follow me. I'll be posting some pictures uh, as we go along here. My own podcast, Conflict of Interest, uh, is, is wherever you find your podcasts. Uh, I'll be back Friday. As always, we'll talk politics in Vermont and the nation, my garden, now my basement, and everything else on my mind and yours. Um, we're going to stick with uh, flood cleanup on Friday's show. We are going to introduce a new segment, though, called uh, Short Takes about your books and summer reading. We'll do that in the 1030 uh, half hour Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Kevin Ellis, and we'll see you right back here Friday on Vermont Viewpoint, live radio on the friendly pioneer, WDEV.